Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us in uh, yeah. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and you shall be created. Let us pray. O God, it instruct the hearts of your faithful by light of the Holy Spirit. Granted by the same Spirit may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. The Lady Fatima, St. Joseph, Father and Terry, all God's angels and saints. So what I'd like to do today is you have the worksheet. We jumped over the last part of it. I'd like to just give you a summary of what we're doing in the uh, worksheet of Our Lady Fatima. And I'd like to jump to the questions, um, the response, because there's a lot. And we want to make sure that I get it done tonight. Okay, what I'm trying to do is prepare for the um, chastity promise that your children are going to be making uh, March 19th. So tomorrow is March 1st. So we've got um, we got about two and a half weeks to prepare them for it. But uh, the past four weeks I've been talking about this topic of chastity in somewhat of an indirect fashion. And the worksheet that I wrote that you have now is um, what Our Lady of Fatima said about this topic about a hundred years ago. So instead of reading it, if you could maybe just uh, lift up your eyes and look at me rather than reading the worksheet, I'll give you a summary of it because I wrote it, I know what I wrote, okay? <laughs> so I can summarize what I wrote in, in even a more concise fashion. Okay, it's this. A lady appears to these three children, Jacinta, Francisco, Lucia. And the apparition took place in 1917. Before that, the, the guardian angel appears to the children three times. Okay? And the third apparition is the Eucharistic apparition where you have the chalice and you have the host suspended and the children bow down. They're worshiping the Eucharist. That's 16. 1917, May 13, she appears six times on the 13th of every month except August because August the children are in jail. Okay? They're, uh, they're in jail. They, the um, local authorities uh, see that there's a lot of problems because of these apparitions, so they decide to get them to just say it was a lie, and they didn't. Uh, so they're incarcerated for a few days. So she's going to appear a few days later. Okay, now, the message of Our Lady of Fatima is very extensive, but three, there's three different messages related to the whole topic of, um, of chastity. The, the first is, she says, very clearly related to the apparition July 13th. In the apparition July 13th, she manifests very clearly to the children as well as to us a graphic vision of hell. Okay, very graphic vision of hell where these three children see the ground opened and they see this lake of fire and these souls that are floating up and down kind of like helium balloons. Okay, you ever see like a balloon that's being blown by the winds? Like helium balloons being blown by the wind. 
But these are souls. Some of the souls are transparent, others are brown, others are bronze, others are uh, black, uh, indicating the time that those souls have already been in hell. Then transpiercing these these souls could be these ugly animals that they'd never seen before. And these ugly animals, they were the devils that were transpiercing, torturing the damned souls. And the cries of despair were so alarming that the children said that if Our Lady were not there, they would have died. They would have died of fear if Our Lady were not there presenting this vision to them. So from that moment on, there's a radical change in these children. Up to this point, they're good kids. But from that moment on, uh, the three of them, they live like saints. From that moment on, they live like saints. Uh, Lucy is going to live another 85 years. The other are going to be, they're going to live about another two years, then they're going to die, the two little ones. And um, Jacinta is very impressive in her spirit of sacrifice. Okay, she's going to be offering up these sacrifices that kind of blow us away to see the generosity. This little girl, she's nine years old. She's going to wear a rope around her waist. She's going to sacrifice uh, dancing that she really liked as a little girl. She's going to give up her favorite food, which was the the sweet uh, grapes of the Portuguese hillsides. She's going to pray a lot of rosaries, not the abbreviated form. Well, they said, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. They're going to say that. And she's also going to give up, give up water on hot days and accept all the sufferings that God wills to send to her for the purpose of saving souls from the fires of hell. This is a little illiterate girl who can't even read and write. But a spiritual giant who had two very good teachers, Mary and the Holy Spirit. Two very good teachers, Mary and the Holy Spirit. I want them to be my teachers too. Hopefully you'll like to take them as your teachers also, Mary and the Holy Spirit. Okay, then Francisco is also going to go arrive at a deeper life and he is going to offer blood of sacrifices too. But he's drawn to a very deep mystical life. He's only about 10 years old. He's drawn to a very deep prayer life where he, he can go and be in front of the Blessed Sacrament and spend hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And it's not a distracted prayer the way ours is, okay? We pray, but our prayer is usually pretty distracted. A very concentrated prayer where he's opening up his heart and he's talking to Jesus. And the purpose is he wants to console Jesus because Jesus is so abandoned. He wants to console him. He wants to be his friend. He wants to love him. He wants to thank him because Jesus is abandoned as he is in most tabernacles throughout the world. He wanted to console our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the two are going to die. And then... uh, the year 2017, Pope Francis will canonize both of them. John Paul II beatified them, and uh, Pope Benedict XVI canonized them 
the year 2017, which is 100 years after the apparitions. So 100 years after the apparitions, uh, Jacinta and Francisco will be canonized. In their beatification, in their beatification, John Paul II, he uh, gave a summary of the different charismatic graces that the children had. They they were all moved to conversion, but they had a different they had a different um, a different charism, different spirituality. He called Jacinta a little victim soul. Okay, if you've ever read the life of Padre Pio, okay, Padre Pio was a victim soul. Victim soul is someone that suffers, willingly suffers for the purpose of of saving souls, like Padre Pio had the stigmata for fifty years. Uh, little Francisca was was called by John Paul II as a little mystic. Now, maybe you're not familiar with spiritual vocabulary, but a uh, mystic means a, a little prayer warrior. And he's a little boy that's only 10 years old. Lucy's going to live longer. Uh, Lucia, she's going to become a nun. She'll start off as a Dorethean nun uh, in Spain, and then she was inspired to leave the Dorethean nuns and become a Carmelite. So she's going to become a Carmelite nun in Coimbra, Coimbra, Portugal, where she'll, she will uh, live to be about 98 years old. And then she will die the 13th of February, 2005. She will die six weeks before John Paul II. So both of them will die almost back to back uh, in last century. They would be a among the most famous people last century with, of course, Mother Teresa. And so Sister Lucia uh, was called to promote especially the rosary, but also to promote the uh, devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, in which she's eventually going to say that Mary's Immaculate Heart will triumph. Mary's Immaculate Heart will triumph. Okay. Related to our topic of chastity, Our Lady, Our Lady talked to Jacinta after the 1917 apparitions. And these are some of the things that she said. Our Lady said to Jacinta. First is that uh, Russia will spread her errors throughout the whole world. Now, uh, we who live a hundred years later Unless you know, unless you know history, and I don't think any of us has a doctorate in history, you probably don't. You say, okay, obviously, look at Russia now, look at Russia, look at the Ukraine, look what's happening in Poland, you know, look at that. But Russia was was a country that had no prominence. Russia was just a very poor country that had no prominence whatsoever. So that prophecy. No one would have understood it. No one understood it. Now Russia, whether we, li- whether we like it or not, Russia is a very powerful world power. And Russia, Russia could start a world war. Okay? Uh, I don't want to scare you, but Russia could start a world war. Uh, you know, 
entering the Ukraine and doing certain things and provoking the United States and then Russia and China, they become allies and it could happen, no? Uh, whether we like it or not, that's the world in which we live today. Russia could start a world war. And a hundred years ago, Russia was, was nothing. So the, the fact that this prophecy was made a hundred years ago is incredible. Now, just a little bit of history. 1917, up to that point, Russia was a poor country, but a very Christian country. Okay? The Russian Orthodox Church was very strong. Uh, probably strong, just as strong as our Catholic school, uh, Catholic, Catholic Church, a hundred years ago. And if you... Um, I, I, no, I've, read, I've probably read more literature than most of you people. I have a degree in literature. The Russian writers, Tolstoy, Solzhenitsyn, Turgenev, uh, these are the most famous Russian writers. If you read through their writings, especially read someone like um, Dostoevsky. And Dostoevsky, very deep spiritual truths if you read someone like Dostoevsky. 1917, what happens? The Bolshevik and the Menshevik Revolution, which was the revolution in which Russia is going to become a communist country. With that revolution, Our Lady makes a prophecy the same year, almost the same time that this revolution is going to happen. That's incredible if you think about it. Russia was nothing. It was nothing. And then they're going to become, they're going to send to become a world power, and then what was the country, who was the leader that killed most people in the history of the world? Joseph Stalin. Like Hitler. Hitler, hey, maybe 10 million. Stalin would be like 30 million people. That's huge. And who was Stalin? Stalin was, Stalin was a Russian communist. So just a little bit of history and literature. You got Lenin, not John Lennon, the Beatle, but Vladimir Lenin. Okay. Now Lenin. After Lenin, you've got a guy named Stalin. They read the writings of a guy named Marx. Okay. Das Kapital, which gave the principles of communism, where you probably heard the opium of the people. Okay. So, and from that, Stalin ends up by being instrumental in killing the most people in the history of the world. Now, okay, look at the country now. Look at the world now. Vietnam. You're Vietnamese. Okay, half communist. Korea, half communist. Albania, communist. Cuba, communist. China, communist. The, the, the American universities, communism is entering in, whether you like it or not. Socialism and communism is seeping into the universities in this country. Philippines, not yet, but you know, hold your guns, huh? Communism is spreading. So this, I see this as a prophecy of a lady Fatima. What's happened in the past hundred years, what's happening in the country. A lady made this prophecy, and it's becoming a reality. So, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, painting a gloom and doom picture, but I'm giving you, a, I think, a good perspective, realistic interpretation of of history. Um, but, listen, this is going to be very simple. 
If all the Catholic families in the United States would pray the rosary, if, we, if that happened, the world would be converted. How many Catholic families in the United States pray the rosary? Maybe maybe 1%. You've heard us preach this a thousand times, but you don't do it. No, don't lie to me. Okay? You don't. I mean, you've heard it, you've heard it say how many times? No? Even you have heard it a hundred times, still you don't obey the priest by, by exhorting you to do it. What happens to people that don't even know what the rosary is? So, I'm a stickler on this. Uh, until, uh, until I die, I'm going to be preaching the rosary, even though you get angry at me hearing it over, over and over. You've got to pray the rosary. And don't, no buts. No buts, you have to pray the rosary. Okay? So, take that seriously. You heard me say, I'm your shepherd. I'm saying it for the hundredth time, well, the thousandth time since I've been, I've been here. Take it seriously. That's why we love Father Patrick Payton. Did you know there's some Filipinos here? Patrick Payton went to the Philippines. Mary, it was three billion? Or six billion? Okay, three million people in the 70s, three million people in the Philippines were there where Father Patrick Payton gave it. That was probably the biggest congregation of people in the history of the world. Then John Paul II will come, it'll be double, right, in 1997. But you Maybe you were there. Three, three million people talking to these Catholics. And what is he saying? Pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. And Father, Father Peyton wasn't intellectual. He was, a, he was Johnny One Note. He didn't say it with too much eloquence, but obviously the Holy Spirit was inspiring him. He was anointed. But I've heard him speak. He's not a foot and chain. But he was the messenger of a Lady Fatima. And how many people have heeded that? That war of Marcus was probably overcome because of Our Lady of Fatima. They were about to kill those innocent people with the tanks and the guns. Maybe you were there. They saw the Blessed Mother in the air, right? And she was like doing like this and they put down their guns and they didn't kill these innocent babies and parents, right? So uh, don't underestimate the, um, the importance of Mary and the Rosary. So, Our Lady, uh, Our Lady made that prophecy about Russia. She said that the Holy Father would suffer very much. Okay, probably the interpretation would be uh, John Paul II when he was shot. That would probably be the interpretation. He said that the Holy Father would have to suffer a lot. John Paul II was shot. Okay? That was a prophecy back 1917 when John Paul II wasn't even born yet, he was born in 1920, that a pope will have to suffer very much. What else? Then, related to our topic, our lady said, most souls go to hell because sins against the sixth and ninth commandment. Then she also said that many, okay, many, many marriages are not good. This is a hundred years ago. Many marriages are not good. Look at the situation now. How many marriages end up in divorce in the United States? At least 60%. Okay? I would say 65, something like 65. That's if you got 10, 
six to seven couples, they're already separated. A hundred years ago, it was maybe two percent. This is a prophecy that Mary made. This is a prophecy that Mary said many marriages are not good because they're not based on the love of God. If you don't have a marriage based on the love of God, sooner or later it's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart if it's not based on the love of God. Then she said this. Many uh, immodest fashions will enter into the world that will gravely offend God. Many immodest fashions will enter into the world that will gravely offend God. This is my class that I had today, and I'm going to have it on Friday. I'm summarizing it. The importance of the virtue of chastity related also to modesty. It applies to men, but but even more so to women. And many of you have many of you have daughters, right? Okay. Many of you have daughters. Daughter, right? Daughters, no. Daughter, daughter, no, more than one. Very important, very important that you instill in your sons, but especially your daughters, the importance of modesty. You hear me? Very important. Very important. Now, your, your daughters, your daughters are not going to like this, the fact that we're saying this. But you've got to be strong on this. I've often thought about this. Uh, I, if I had a, a teenage daughter, I obviously I don't, no. If I had a teenage daughter, uh, an attractive teenage daughter, in which improperly dressed, and you've got men looking at her, I would die. I'd die. Maybe you're different. I think I'd have a heart attack. Having... Hombres babosos, they say in Spanish, no? How do you say that in English? Hombres babosos, no? Um, I'm losing my... Hombres babosos, no? Lustful old geezers, I think we say in English, no? Hombres babosos, looking at my daughter, I think I'd have a heart attack. But it'd be my fault. Because the father, your, your, your daughter's going to listen to dad more than the mother. You hear me? I'm not underestimating them, but men understand better than women. No? So you sitting down and talking with your daughter about that topic, that's, that's huge. And how many do it? Men do it? None, basically. I'm the only one that's doing it. I'm not even their father. No? <laughs> but really insist. because you know, Your daughters, they're, they're, they're pretty, they're attractive, they're blossoming. They're, they are. But you don't want them to be flaunting their beauty in such a way that they're a, that they're a, they're they're a, they're a provocation. They're a provocation, and we're really swimming against the current because they go to school and half their friends are are dressed in such a, such a way that it's it's deplorable. Okay, so they're and they're they're going to be criticized. Look at the way you're dressed. Why are you dressed like that? 
We're living in the Middle Ages. Come on, wake up and smell the coffee. We have to be willing to be able to swim against the current and to be countercultural. We have to be. To swim against the current and to be countercultural. So I'm, I'm a stickler on this. You're, you want to live out that virtue of chastity, they have to learn. Today, what did I say in the class, Mary? You were there. I said to the girls, if any of you girls have any modest, immodest dresses, what should you do? Get scissors, cut it, and do a three-pointer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they like that, but well, they have to hear it from me. Any modest dress? Get scissors, cut it, and you know, a little bit of basketball, three-pointer. Amen? Amen? Yeah. They shouldn't have any immodest dress in their wardrobe that could be a means of provocation, a near occasion of sin for a man. And we're at fault, too. You know, it's our fault, too, because we have to learn how to control our eyes. But we don't want to be an occasion of sin for anyone. Right? We don't want to be an occasion of sin for anyone. And when we die, Jesus is going to sit down with us and say, Okay, look, you know, you, you allowed your 15-year-old girl to dress that way. And, you know, we had 25 men that were looking at her in an improper way. We don't want to, we don't want to have uh, that on our conscience. We don't want to be judged in that way the day of our judgment. So... Uh, as we get close to this consecration day, this is another topic, another dimension of chastity. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that modesty is the guardian of chastity. That's the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You hear me? Modesty is the guardian. Okay. And I'll say uh, I'll say something in in Spanish. Basura, a try basura. Okay? Basura, a try basura. Uh, in English, you know, trash is going to attract trash. You got a trashy girl that's going to be in, in attracting a trashy guy, no? Whereas a modest, pure, noble, beautiful character, that girl is going to attract a noble man. You know? You get what you deserve in a certain sense. Okay, so I, I've given you a, a, a longer summary of what I've written. So what we'll do now is we'll jump to the response. And um, if you really behave, I'll give you a, a birthday cake afterward, okay? <laughs> if you behave well, okay? Got it? Okay. So let's jump. Uh, let's jump now to the um, the responses, okay? So, and uh, hopefully all of us will make a concerted effort to get to know the message of Fatima. The message of Fatima is it's an essence of the gospel, really. Fatima. A lot of these questions are pretty simplistic. Others you probably don't know, and I'll help you to fill in the ones you don't know. I should know I wrote the worksheet, right? <laughs> okay. The name of the beautiful lady. All right. Um, 
Okay, the, the first is obvious, it's, it's Mary, okay. but she, she gives a, she gives a specific name. What, what did Our Lady of Lourdes say? Je suis l'Immaculée Conception. No mercy? I am the Immaculate Conception. What about Our Lady of Guadalupe? No soy yo tu madre, right? What about Our Lady of Fatima? She said, in the last apparition, she said, I am the Our Lady of the Rosary. She didn't say, hi, I'm Our Lady of Fatima. Hi, I'm Our Lady of Fatima. No. no, she said, I am Our Lady of the Rosary. What does that mean? If she is Our Lady of the Rosary, that means that her, her specific identity is Our Lady of the Rosary. If that's her name, that means that she wants us to pray the rosary. Right, Rick? That's, doesn't that make sense? If that's her name, and she said, every time she appeared, she said, pray the rosary. Six times. If you're a mother, do you ever repeat yourself? Always, right? Well, but you probably repeat yourself more on certain things than other things. So if you repeat yourself, a lot of times that means it's important, right? If a lady is going to be repeating this six times, that means that she really believes it's important. Not something insignificant, but something indispensable for our salvation. So Guadalupe, Nuestra Madre. Lourdes, the Immaculate Conception. Fatima, Allay the Rosary. I really like that distinction, don't you? It's the same person, but three different, three, three different dimensions of the of the greatness of of Mary, as Saint Louis Montfort says, the masterpiece of creation, masterpiece of creation. Saint Louis de Montfort. I have to try to imitate the saints, right? All right. What did she? Who did? Okay. Who did she? Who did she appear to? Okay, who are the three? Okay, okay, do you any of you know the last name of Lucia? It's Lucia de los Santos. It's a nice name, isn't it? They're not Mexican, they're Portuguese, okay? Portuguese and Spanish are very, very close. They're Latin-based languages, as French and Romania. English is a little bit more difficult. Okay, so... It's Lucia de los Santos and who are the other? Okay, Francisco and Jacinta. Their last name? Marto. M-A-R-T-O, Marto. So Lucia is the older cousin of these two little little ones. She's the older cousin. And kind of, in a certain sense, the spiritual director of Jacinta. Yeah. Informally, but she's kind of the spiritual director of Jacinta, always giving Jacinta good advice. Highly intelligent. Maybe even maybe just brilliant, this little girl. All right. What? Okay, so what year did she appear to these shepherd children? I already said it three times already, right? 1917. 
So you see the historical context. I didn't mention this, but that was right. That was in the uh, the time of the First World War. Okay. She's she's. I, I didn't mention this, but I'll mention it now. She said that if people don't stop sinning and they don't start to pray more, another world war will break out. What's going to happen in 1938? Russia is going to enter into Warsaw in Poland. I was there about 15 years ago. I made a pilgrimage to Poland and Holy Land. Warsaw would be like, um, like Guadalajara. It would be like Guadalajara, like the, the second biggest city of Poland. That and Krakow would be the two biggies, like New York and L.A. here. And it was totally destroyed, Warsaw. Totally destroyed. Yeah. She made this prophecy. People keep sinning. A worse world war will break out. And who entered? The guy named was Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. Yeah, interesting. Mary makes a prophecy. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Prophecy is going to happen. Okay. What? Uh, she appeared. Okay. How, okay. How many times and on what day? Okay. So she's going to appear six times, right? Yep. What day? Thirteen. Why? Think it through. If you really think this through, you see all the different reasons. Mary does everything perfectly. Uh, Juan and Asusena, the next time you go to the Big Apple in New York City, the Catch a Yankee game, what you should notice is you have these big skyscrapers, and you're going to have from the 12th to the 14th floor, but there's no 13th floor. Check it out. Why? It's funny, because there are people that are afraid of of number 13. It's seen as a bad luck number. So Our Lady purposely appears on the 13th to point out that there's no such thing as a bad number. Oh, it's Friday the 13th, a black cat. Ah! Something bad's going to happen, no? <laughs> There's no such thing. You want to get me angry? Say, good luck, Father. No, say in Spanish, Buena suerte, Padre Escobita. Te voy a dar una nalgada. Te voy a dar un jalón de orejas. Te voy a agarrar los pelos de los tienes. No? I don't believe in luck. Nothing happens by chance. You know, God knows how many hairs you have on your head. head. And you too. He knows how many hairs. He knows when the hair falls from your head, where it's going to fall. So nothing happens by chance. This is called divine providence. Everything happens by God willing it and God allowing it to happen. That's called divine providence. La divina providencia. So the thirteenth. Okay, the July thirteenth apparition, she showed. Okay, she showed a. 
I tend to use more descriptive words than you. I'm a little bit more poetic. A graphic depiction of hell. Did you just say hell? I say a graphic depiction of hell. <laughs> Very detailed. It's interesting. Our Lady brings these children to see a vision of hell. It's interesting, isn't it? Mary brings them to see a vision of hell. You think that a lady is so kind and loving and compassionate, she wouldn't do that. She does that, why? Because she loves us, recognizing if we see that vision of hell, we're going to try to do all we possibly can to avoid going there. So Jesus spoke much more about hell than he spoke about heaven. Did you know that? Jesus spoke about heaven, but he spoke much more about hell. If you've ever done the spiritual exercise with me, I point that out. So, okay, what, who and what did they see? Okay, so, who, okay, who, let's, who refers to persons, right? So, the devils and the damned souls. That, who refers to persons? What did they see? They saw fire. It's like, like a sea of fire, a lake of fire. Did you ever study fire? Years ago, I remember I was uh, standing next to my older brother, and he said, look at the fire. Do you know the, the more intense part of the fire? I didn't know. He said, okay, this is the way it is. The hottest flame would be the white, then you have the yellow, then the orange, then you have the green and the blue. Did you ever look at fire? You can see the five different colors. The most intense would be the white. And the least intense would be the blue. And my brother told me, told me that about 55 years, I never forgot about that. He was studying physics and said, look at this, the different intensity of the fire flames. <laughs> fire. But those souls would be burned but never consumed. Whereas... If you put a branch or a leaf in the fire, what's going to happen? It's going to be consumed. It's going to be turned into to ashes, right? But those souls, they're being burnt, but they're never going to be consumed. That's espantoso, isn't it? Scary, isn't it? Yeah, fire will, will consume. It turns into it turns into ashes, and it's blown by the wind. So God can allow the fire to be burning the soul, but the soul is, it has to simply put up with, this, with the suffering and never be extinguished, that suffering. Honestly, if anyone seriously meditated upon hell, he's not going to go to hell. If I thought, okay, I could go to hell, you, you meditate, I'm going to do all I possibly can to avoid that. If you do it seriously, that's why these, these exercises, they work. Right, right? I mean, if it's done well, these exercises, they function, they work. Right, Imelda? See, Padre. Okay. Okay, what is the principal reason for, for why there are many souls that are condemned to the fires of hell? Okay, the sins... The sins of impurity, yep. So what are the two commandments that refer to this? 
I'll give you a hint. Look, look, at, look down at number 9 and 10, okay? So it's the 6th and ninth commandment. The 6th commandment is you shall not commit adultery. And the ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Okay, you should not commit adultery. You should not covet your neighbor's wife. Those are the two commandments that uh, envelop these last four to five talks. Okay, marital relations have their place only in the context of the sacrament of matrimony. Okay, is that clear? Marital relations have their place only in the context of holy matrimony. So any sexual act outside that context is, is a serious sin. Hammer this home with your kids. Let's work on them, okay? Only relationship between a husband and wife married in the church, not Las Vegas. Married in the church. Las Vegas, that's not good enough. Married in the church. Okay? Not in even civic center of wine gardens, right? Or the casino. No, married in the church. And if it's St. Peter Chanel, so much the better, right? Amen? See, that number 11 is so simple, but if, if, if you understand that, that resolves a lot of problems okay, between a husband and wife. Once you understand that, that basically says it all in just one sentence. Okay, between only... Only, I've been hammering this away in your kids, <laughs> that's three ways, only between one man and woman. Right? It's Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. Right, right Patty? Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. Right, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. After the vision of hell, the little Jacinta was ready to suffer any to offer, was ready to offer many after the vision of hell, the little Jacinta was, was ready to offer many one sacrifices. Why? To save souls from the fire of hell. Okay. Uh, we skipped over the we, we skipped over the um, the text. Let's see if we can write down some of the sacrifices that she suffered were a rope 
around her waist. She also gave up grapes that she really liked, sweet grapes. She prayed the rosary in more than one. In number 13 others, she she gave up drinking water on hot days. Others one that we mentioned and Mary helped me out a little bit when she was in the hospital in in Lisbon she had pleurisy which was a type of um, pneumonia right like fluid, in fluid in her lungs and she had an she had an operation she's nine years old without the anesthesia just a little bit of anesthesia because because of the water in her lungs she couldn't have a lot but basically Imagine you having an operation which they cut you open without any anesthesia. And she she accepted it willingly and offered it to Mary for the conversion of sinners. Nine-year-old little girl. No education. See how she understood the value of a soul and the danger of going to hell. You really see how, how, how the, the apparitions of Mary, her prayer life, her reflection. She had such a deep faith. And nine years old. So, you know, your teenager, they can become saints. Right, Debbie? Yeah, they can become saints. We don't, we don't have to wait until they're 89 and a half, right? Why not start now? To work on them becoming saints right now. Now is the time. We're going through tough times. Now is the time. What do you think? Now is the time. Let's don't wait. Right now, let's work on helping these teenagers to become saints. And there's a there's a misconception. Oh, teenagers, they have to sow their wild oats. They kind of they have to kind of live it up. They have to experience life. That's that's the modern mentality. We got to go against that. Let's ask Dominic Savio, Maria Goretti, Jose, Jose Lito, Sancho de Rio. Um, let's ask these saints that were, and the young one that just died, what, about 10 years ago, the Italian guy, what, what's his name? Carlos okay. Acutis died. He was about 16, right? Let's ask these young saints to pray for our young ones that they would not put off their conversion and give in to, their, give in to the flesh now, but they're able to control themselves. To conquer their passions now. Otherwise, their passions are going to conquer them. Right? Either they conquer their passions through God's grace, or they become slaves of their passions. As most people are today. So those are um, the, the many sacrifices that the liturgist sent to carry down. And if you read her life, there's, there's more, but... There's six or seven that we, we wrote down. Another sad but true proclamation that the beautiful woman, Our Lady of Fatima, made was that many marriages are not good. 
Many marriages are not good. In the spiritual exercises program, you've heard me say, how many couples, they, they get married in the church, but they don't make a good confession before they get married in the church? How many? Huh? Probably most. As a consequence, uh, there's already marital problems off the bat. And so those who are co come to St. Peter's now, they have to go through me. As we say in New York, over my dead body, you're not gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to marry you unless you make a good confession. And I've got a, I've got a team of, uh, of, of helpers. They're called spiritual padrinas that help these couples before they get married and make sure that they make a really good sacrament of confession so the day of their wedding, they're going to be in the state of grace. These mentors they have, they're, they're very tenacious. They're basically my, my right-hand man or woman. Make sure the day you get married, you're going to be in the state of grace. You're going to be in the state of grace. You don't want the day of your wedding, you're in the state of mortal sin. There's a double sacrilege the day you get married. Double sacrilege. Marriage and communion, you're receiving the state of mortal sin. You're not starting off on a good, on a good foot, are you? No. No, I want to make sure you start off right. Yeah, why not start off right? Okay. So, so today it is sad to say many marriages are, are not good. One of the reasons for divorce is due to... Well, there are many reasons. But Pope Francis, in about, about three, three months ago, said this in one of his, one of his talks. Is I would have to say that many couples do many couples do not have a good preparation. Face it, when you got if you're not married here, and some of you are not married here, and I'm not canonizing Saint Peter Chanel, huh? but if you're not married here, what was your marriage preparation? Nothing, right? You had a rehearsal. Maybe you had a, a, a one-day retreat where they just spouted out pious platitudes and they had balloons and bozo and cotton candy and, and hearts and huggies and kissy and all that type, that all type of sentimental mush, no? So they <laughs> had no formation whatsoever. Here you are about to get married and you don't have the foggiest idea of what marriage is about. So... Uh, one of the reasons why is there must be better preparation for couples. I'll give you an example. A couple comes to get married here. When do you want to get married? Okay, we, we want to get married. Okay, we, we have it planned. We'll get married um, in 10 months. Okay, fine. So I connect them with a couple... The couple is going to meet them every every week. Okay, every week for ten months. Are you good at math? What's four times ten? Four times ten? Got it in your calculator? Hey, that's got that. You good at math? 
Okay, pretty good, huh? Math major here. It's that's forty talks. That's forty talks. That would be from an hour to two hours. Here, outside in the patio, was you going to be praying, going through the catechism, going through what marriage is? What do you think? And then they have to take the NFP class too. They're not going to get married if they don't know what NFP is. To go against the contraceptive mentality. Then a weekend retreat, which is pretty good at times. So by the time they're married, 40, hour, 40 different talks. They have the NFP underneath their belt. They've done, they've done their marriage retreat. They've made a general confession. So by the time they get married, yeah, I've done my part. With the help of my, with the help of my team, I've done my part. Now, if you don't collaborate with that, that's not my fault. I've given you the tools on which you can form a good marriage. The other places, there's no preparation whatsoever. You don't really have to go to confession. So, it, it took me after high school 11 years of study. Okay, that's a lot. Finally ordained at 30 after you know three different degrees, studying philosophy, <laughs> theology. A long, it's a long haul. And I say the married life is the same thing. In the sense that my vocation is a permanent vocation. So is yours. So the better the preparation, the more the preparation, the better. Okay? So when your kids want to get married, oh, let's go to another parish. They're not going to be so demanding as St. Peter Chanel. No. That's what they're going to say. No, they'll bring them here so they can have a solid formation. Right? You care for someone, you want the best, don't you? I know I'm the tough guy in the block. All my programs are the most demanding, but hey, in a certain sense, if I don't give you that, I'm insulting you. Why should I give? Why should I give you? Why should I give you just a little bit? Let's raise, let's raise the bar high, right? As athletes, let's raise the bar high. You, you can make it jump higher, jump higher, jump higher. Eventually, you're not going to knock it over. Amen. Okay. Okay, so a man, one of the reasons for divorce is due to an inadequate preparation. So a man and woman should be married in the church. Tell your kids that. Keep pounding away at that. They should not start to live together. I think the last, the last wedding I did, it was just a wonderful wedding, and they were saying to me that um, this was the only, this was the only person in their family that got married in the church. Now, now, how many brothers and sisters I don't know, but he's the only one in the family that got married in the church, which is, which is very good because the relatives are there in the mass. At least they see one of their siblings getting married in the church, and that can be. I can start the domino effect, which the others will eventually think, well, that was kind of a nice wedding. It was a nice homily. Got a beautiful beautiful picture of a Lady Guadalupe. The choir sang pretty well. No, The mass wasn't too long. Hey, 
I've been living with my boyfriend the past 15 years, and yeah, maybe it's time to get married in the church. Try to try to get the the others married in the church. But it's it is a real pandemic today. People are just they're living together. And you all know someone in your, in your family that they're just living together and they're thinking about getting married in the church. Sometimes they'll say, they'll use say, um, nothing of the natal, a la fiesta. I, I don't have money enough for the la fiesta. And why, you know what I say? I'll marry you for free, I'll take you to Pollo Loco. Yeah. Marry for free, I'll take you to Pollo Loco. Okay? And I'll tell you a joke or two, okay? Pick up your spirits, okay? Yeah, 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 I'm married for free. Pull your local. Tell you a humoristic story to pick up your drowsy spirit, okay? Your droopy, drowsing spirit. Right, Imelda? See you, partner. The final message of a lady made to the little Jacinta Marta was the following. It's uh, many immodest fashions will enter into the world that will offend God. I'll repeat. Many immodest fashions will enter into the world that will offend God. This is before Hollywood exploded, no? Back then, Hollywood, you have really good movies, even if you had them back 100 years ago. Okay, returning to the topic of modesty. Do any of you know what CCC means? I should say that? What? Very good, Juan. Okay. So, Catechism of the Catholic Church, modesty is the guardian of chastity. Like that? Good one, huh? It's taken from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Modesty is the guardian of chastity. So if you're living modesty, it's like a protective barrier. It's a protective barrier of chastity. Now you have daughters, you, you might have to battle your daughters with this, no? But uh, dads, sit down and talk with them. You might have to kind of battle them through, no? And use what I said. I don't want any guy to look at you lustfully. You won't be baboso. You don't want that, do you? <laughs> Remember that, okay? I think that the father is the key, the key person in this, no? Hear, hear that, Juan? See you, Padre. Okay. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says that we are the ambassadors of Christ. You know what an ambassador is? He's the one that represents the country. You go to the Mexican or Vietnamese consulate. Okay, That person represents the ambassador to the Holy See. He's representing the country. So we are the ambassadors of Christ, even even more important, right? Hey, we're, we, we represent the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. 
So we should dress with with modesty and dignity, but reflecting who we represent. We represent Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph. Right, Mercy? The beauty of the body is important, but even more important in the eyes of God is the beauty of the soul. The beauty of the soul. Who was one of the most beautiful women last century? Mother Teresa. You ever hear of her? Mother Teresa? Physically, she was basically falling apart. No? But spiritually, what a beautiful soul. I, I had the privilege of meeting her more than once. What a beautiful soul. And how much she... How much she loved Christ, how much she loved Mary, how much she loved the poor people. What a beautiful soul, Mother Teresa. These are the models. Your children have to choose a saint, right? Okay, and Sarah and Grace have already chosen their saint. Good. Who does Sarah have? Okay, Terry, take a week. Oh, beautiful. Does Grace have, have someone already? Working on Okay. Okay. I can't remember. Okay. Ekaterina yeah, Tekawita. What a beautiful saint. Another thing why she's very important is because uh, Sarah, she's a New Yorker. Did you know that? She would be a Yankee fan, right, Rick? <laughs> oh, well, a Met fan, huh? <laughs> Got that? Okay. All right. So, I should always dress Trying to be pleased. Okay. So your your daughter is going to go to a party, and you and Juan, you, you see Diana. Okay, you know you're you're a pretty girl. You're going to go out to this party. Um, before you go, I want you to go in front of the statue of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and think. Do you think they're going to bless you the way they're dressed? You're dressed. Hey, remember that one, huh? You know, not to please your best friend, but you want to please Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Those are the ones we want to please, right? Yeah. Which way is the bar? <laughs> oh, Mom, I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, Dad, I knew you were going to do it. Well, who, who was behind that? Oh, Padre Escobita, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, summary of Our Lady's points on chastity. This is a summary of the whole three-way conference or talk. One is, most souls are lost because of sins of impurity. This is just a summary of what we've been going through the past couple of weeks. And the second is, many marriages are, are not based on God's love. Many marriages are not based on God's love. And third is, Third is um, modesty. Well, let's quote the catechism. Modesty is the garden of chastity. Let's, uh, try to memorize that. Modesty is the garden of chastity. Okay, so now, Mary and chastity, the ring and the meaning. So they're going to get a ring. Uh, March 19th, the feast day of St. Joseph. 
it means I'm going to give the ring to my husband on the wedding night. Got it? I'm going to arrive at marriage a virgin. Okay? Let's be blunt. Marriage virgin. Give that to my husband and I'll be faithful to him until death do we part. That's the whole meaning. Got it? So I'm giving four or five talks on this topic of chastity because I really believe this is the most important topic. What do you think? In a very gentle way, I'm not graphic or anything, very gentle way, trying to give different dimensions so that they can be counterculture and get to heaven, right? All right, given that you were so well behaved, is there, is there some cake uh, for them? Imelda, is there? Each one is uh, $50, is it? No. <laughs> no, free of charge. So let's say Hail Mary for our young people that they would follow in the footsteps of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Okay? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed are the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. The Lord be with you. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, bless you, and we'll see you next week. Right? Okay. Looks like there's a, a few extra people today because they knew there was cake, right? <laughs>